Steam has announced its plans to render 2 million PC gamers homeless by the end of the summer Steam sale. In other fake news, this is the Nuclear Grenade Podcast. Welcome to the Nuclear Grenade Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Land, and with me is Havoc, a.k.a. the Hey-Ho. It's me. Yeah, we just want to apologize uh, for missing last week. Hey-Ho was moving. He did have some time, uh, but I also double-booked, so we're sorry. We suck, but uh, we're going to make it up by doing a really subpar podcast this And then week. sucking your dicks after that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Line up, and we're going to suck all five of your dicks. <laughs> Lucky you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mm. Oh, God. <laughs> Bring some cocoa butter. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, so, have you been playing any games uh, the last couple yeah, of weeks? Well, <laughs> I haven't had much time uh, with moving and everything, but the free epic game of this week is the Spectrum Retreat. Have you played this, Justin? Uh, the autism spectrum? Uh, maybe. It's it's kind of like uh kind of like a portal game almost. Uh, not not as uh, high quality, obviously. It's not made by Valve. It's made by uh, Dan Smith Studios, published by Ripstone. Came out July thirteenth, two thousand eighteen. Uh, it's only got one hundred and forty four <laughs> reviews on Steam, but they're mostly positive. Uh, the game is five bucks. On Steam, usually it's 13, nice. but I think because the summer Steam sale, it's uh, minus 65%. Uh, but you know, it looks like a cool game. I like the graphics and kind of the art style they went with. It's a story-driven puzzle game, uh, and that's kind of one of the things that is kind of a highlight about it, I guess. Um, is that not only is it a puzzle game like Portal, but it's actually got kind of a more in-depth story to it. So. Hmm. I, it, for five bucks, you know, or if you want to get on uh, Epic for free this week, um, it's definitely high, a good value. Something to check out, probably. Nothing to lose. What's better value than free? Nothing. <laughs> Someone's paying for it. Nothing's free. Yeah. So are there, like, cutscenes and stuff? How's the story uh, given to you? Oh, there's a little bit of cutscene. It's It takes place in a hotel, and um, mm. you just gotta kind of work your way through it. Uh, there's, like, a lot of color code puzzles and uh and uh you know i haven't gotten to play it a whole lot so i can't really give a good in-depth analysis um but if you look on steam like uh the top comment is really they did a nice job writing it um he says that his criticisms is that the walking pace is really slow which i do agree with uh there are some tedious repetitive elements like with the puzzles uh the story is a bit formulaic the core puzzle mechanic starts to feel a bit monotonous um, and you know, these are just the criticisms. There's good stuff too, but he didn't list those. Um, so, <laughs> but overall he gave it a thumbs up despite those criticisms. So something to check out, something different, something kind of new. Yeah. I think that's a big, yeah. You see that a lot with the puzzle games where they're, it's hard to make like a, a puzzle game of any decent length, especially long enough to portray a storyline where the puzzle mechanics don't get a little tiresome, you know? Unless it's, like, totally different puzzles from uh, room to room. Well, even with Portal, like, um, um, you got the Portal gun, and you gotta use that to beat the whole game, pretty much. 
And you could argue that mm-hmm. that gets tedious and tiresome, but also the game wasn't very long. You know, Portal wasn't, and I don't yeah. think that uh, this game is very long either. So, you know, by the time you get through it, um, the Spectrum Retreat, you know, um, hopefully you're not burned out by the puzzle elements that they Im- implemented into it. Yeah, I'll say with Portal though, they did a really good job, probably because of its length, of adding progressive uh, things to do with the Portal gun and ways to like figure uh, the new puzzles out, like. Once you start to learn how to like shoot yourself to like uh, to create a loop to give yourself extra uh, momentum and then shoot where you need to go, um, you know, so you start to figure out things like that and you use the boxes and try to shoot them into like uh, certain areas. Yeah, you get so. like the the physics down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I always enjoyed that a lot. Uh, so I've played a couple games myself. Uh, for one, I played uh, some more Wildermyth that uh, got its 1.0 release. I talked about it a little bit before, but it's just like very beautiful looking um, game. It looks like someone took very colorful, like colored pencils and then made a pop-up book where they played like Dungeon Dragons with little paper characters. And um, so it's very great looking. It's a tactics game. Um the characters learn a lot of abilities and what's unique about it is as you play through it's like uh the storylines are kind of random um and semi-roguelike and you'll gain special like powers and each character will be totally different and they'll have different backgrounds that uh, add different types of stats and um i mean you can turn them like they can turn like into birds you can have like a fire warrior who slowly gets consumed by like this fire gem, and that one's actually very powerful. I have uh, a character from like my old playthroughs that are like that, and they build up stories and stuff over the generations, and they can pop up in other uh, storylines that you play, and so you can either recruit some of them, or sometimes they might just appear as background characters, and they age and die, um, and can have kids themselves, and romantic entanglements, and there's just a, a lot going on. Um, yeah, they, they really hit hard on the uh, paper, like, pop-out uh, type of style. It looks really cool, but, like, yeah, the characters are, like, actually yeah. 2D characters. There's, like, no 3D dimension to them at all, really, um, from what I'm seeing. It looks really, really cool, though. Yeah. Uh, overwhelmingly positive yeah. reviews um, from 8,000 reviews. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's... it's a very it looks game. really good. Um, I'm glad you're talking about this, because it's something that I'd be interested in. Release date, June 15th, 2021. It was in early access for a year, maybe two. Um, and I played it uh, when it first came out, but I started playing it again. Um, and, it, I mean, it's just such a great game. Like, the the way the story part is done is just, I've never seen a game do it like that. It, and I love the idea of generational characters. That's why I really love Crusader Kings 3. Um, and I like the fact that some characters might become good friends and you have some degree of control over this like when you go into these story events in the overworld map um you can usually choose a path either two options or three options um and some of them you might need certain stats and it'll be or like it'll be a role and the percentage will be based um but yeah it's just very cool and like the way that your characters change and warp and create these uh entanglements uh over time is just 
really cool and you can have like there's like family trees in it and um yeah i, I don't know i can't i can't say good enough things about how they've done that and i i mean maybe i'm wrong uh but i haven't seen a game uh do anything like that and i believe you and so it just kind of looks awesome it's got yeah. online co-op and land co-op as well that's pretty crazy yeah, it's yeah it's they're kind of doing everything right and um the the tactics is solid it's very cool especially the mages i really love because the mages are also unique where <clears throat> they infuse with the items on the uh the map the bat the battle maps and so there might be like a torch or like yeah like a, a lantern set up here and maybe a little bonfire and maybe a rock over here and if i infuse with the rock i can do certain magic abilities based on that and you'll use the range of the rock to attack from or i can infuse with a lantern and then maybe spit fire onto one of the enemies and each one of those um uh, uh battle uh uh what's it called i guess objects have their own yeah unique um uh, powers and abilities and some can be used for personal empowerment or empowerment of one of your other characters uh, it's just very unique um all the play styles play unique you have different ways you can play your archers especially depending on say my archer gets bitten by like a wolf uh then maybe i i transform both his legs into wolf legs or if your character gets injured in a battle, he might lose a leg. Or if your character dies like the first time, you might lose a limb, you might lose an arm. But then you can might magically grow that arm back if you get one of these other, like, now I found the fire gem and it inserted into my skull. But my arm, I get the ability later on when the gem starts uh, expanding its power over me. Oh, now I have a fire arm. And now I have an archer who can use a... On his left hand, he can use like his uh, crossbow, but his right hand is like an arm of fire. What? So, yeah, it's I don't know. I can't recommend it enough. Um, it's twenty five dollars right now. It doesn't look like it's on sale for the summer Steam sale, but again, it's this is a game. It's an indie studio, and it's absolutely worth it for uh, the full price. Uh, I love it. I have loved it, and it's gotten better and better. Like that was what's great about the uh, early access. Uh, process was it was just consistently getting little add-ons oh we've added a couple new character traits here we've added a couple more storylines and it just well we added like a whole new campaign and i mean i can't i can't yeah i can't say enough positive things about it i love it it's definitely one of my favorite um tactics games it's on the top 10 list and it's moving up quickly so I think it's a given, but the the depth of it is pretty pretty good, like the stats and customizations and, um, okay, well that's good to hear because that, that's kind of what I was expecting it, especially if it's a tactics game that you like, I, I would expect it to be uh, a little bit more in depth. Um, so but like when you said that characters die, like permanently, isn't that shitty, dude? <laughs> like isn't well, that a bummer? <clears throat> You... Well, they can, but again, it, it's kind of hard. So, like, you might lose your limb first, like, uh, instead. I think that's usually how it happens. But I think they only die for that campaign. Oh, I, oh, you're talking about aging out. Well, that also happens. So, like, say I'm playing, like, a five-part campaign. Then, like, three chapters, my character might be, like, 80 years old. And they slow down as they age, but they get, like, other uh, bonuses. Um, and so they stay useful... But like once they die, like, over the world map, you want to be getting new uh, recruits anyways. And like eventually, 
by like the later chapters of the campaign, you can have like two sets of parties. Mm. You know, so there is kind of a process where you're training new ones up and then losing the old ones. Um, and so, you know, by the time like a, like a few of the older ones die, you have some new ones that are already kind of strong and they kind of take your veterans place. And then you have a new crop of ones that, of uh, characters you're training. Interesting. And again, they're all having new inter like uh, um, dynamics with each other. And it's like if you have part of your original party, they get married to the characters and have a kid, then that kid might be part of like the next uh, group. I was going to um, ask that. Can you choose uh, who you want to breed to like come out with? Like, no. Oh, okay. So there's no like incentive to breed certain characters with other characters to produce like a super no, no, OP it... child. No. Okay. I mean, I mean, over generations, you maybe get something like that because, again, as you play campaigns, you can use, uh, choose characters from your previous campaigns to start these ones out, and they start out as like the younger version of themselves, but with all the acquired powers. So, like my flame, and then they gain meta levels as well. The more you use them through campaigns, the more powerful they get and abilities they unlock. So they start out stronger, and get stronger over time. Um, but the relationships are random. You can influence them in some way. So if you get the pop-up like these characters, or you can kind of choose them down a path of friendship or uh, more romance. Um, so that part's random. But uh, yeah, over time, I guess, you could have something like that. Now, not to overreach, but uh, is there a crafting mechanic in it as well? Uh, I don't know. Okay, I, I, I wouldn't think I so. I wouldn't think so. Not in a tactics yeah. game, but man, that looks like a really good game. And I feel so much less bad spending money on games made by indie developers, you know, that are actually making mm -hmm. really good games because um, it incentivizes them to make better games, even and make more games. Um, yeah. So I think I'll buy that. Wildermyth is the game we're talking about again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this looks awesome. Yeah, cool, I look forward to playing that. Yeah. Uh, another game I've been playing has been uh, Grounded uh, on the Xbox Game Pass. It's made by Oblivion, and that's the um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids survival game. And that one's really awesome. Like, for one, it's beautiful, like, art style. Um, it's lighthearted. Uh, in the very... They, they capture, I think, the... Um, that young, fun, goofiness of the Honey, I Shrink the Kids movies very well. And it's just awesome. I mean, it's like, I don't know, you're like playing in that movie, you know? They, they, the storyline's kind of cool and subtle. Uh, you got to kind of figure out over time how you got shrunk, what's going on. You find this little robot. Um, the spiders are fucking horrifying. <laughs> like, I have a, like arachnophobia. And dude, the hairy ones especially are just is very scary. They have an arachnophobia mode, so you can just turn them into blobs or like cute little head blobs. Wow. Um, Don't worry, friend, I'll protect they've you. They've been adding a lot of cool Yeah, they've been adding a lot of cool stuff to it. Um the progression is pretty good. They need to add a little more of the meta progression with like the science and stuff. Um to like where you unlock stuff, but yeah, overall, it's just a really fun game. Uh, there's quite a bit to do with it. It was a little empty at first, like it didn't have a whole lot of stuff at first, but now they've definitely been adding a lot of, a lot of stuff to it, and it's actually 
getting close to being the full game. You remember, so uh, really enjoying that. not to get too far away from Grounded here, because I want to talk a little bit more about it, but you remember Army Men Sarge's Heroes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's kind of the vibe that I got from that game that I wanted more of. Like, just being small, like, in a, in a big yard. And one level sticks out to me a lot in Army Men Sergeant's Heroes, and that was the living room during Christmas. And I was so little at that time, but I remember, like, thinking, what a cool game could be made out of this, like, in the future. Yeah. And that's kind yeah. of, um, I think, what they were shooting for for this. Um, so back to Grounded, like... Mm-hmm. It kind of seems like Raft a little bit, like, where it's kind of still a little bit shallow in a, in a way. Um, but it's got kind of that graphical style at the same time. Well, that's kind of what I was mentioning before. It, it, it's not really that shallow anymore. Okay. Um, it, the, it's gotten quite a bit of depth uh, by this point. Um, and it, it's really coming along. Like Just the different amounts of armor they've added from different killing different bugs and stuff. And you like you find certain parts and you analyze it and you can unlock recipes that way. And sometimes just by picking them up. And the building features have been really fleshed out, so you can start building some really cool stuff. Some stronger stuff, too. They just added, like, bricks, mud castle-type things um, that are really strong and can prevent bugs from attacking you. Which will probably be very useful for spiders, because spiders are a big fucking (laughs) in the ass, because they climb up almost anything. It takes, like, a billion arrows to kill them, and then if you don't have, like, really strong armor, I mean... They'll knock you out in three hits. Uh, and again, horrifying. And the skittering, the worst part of the game to me, like I got past my fear of the spiders once I killed a couple. And you're like, okay, I'm okay, it's fine. But the skittering still always gets me. Or when you're like running through the grass trying to do something, and then you just run, and you see it's just an ant. But it's definitely creepy in that way. Um, and I, I'm glad, I appreciate the aesthetics being a little... Um, more cutesy, like slightly around the cutesier side, because it does help with just like my fear of bugs in general. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's funny. Yeah, well, it looks like a good game, yeah. and uh, I'm excited to play that with you. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know, Obsidian Entertainment, they're they're kind of a heavy hitter. They've been around since I, you know, I think they made Fallout Three, didn't they? And they made the original Fallout games. Uh, no, no, no. They made New Vegas. They made New Vegas, and they that's made. What it was. Yeah, yeah. So they did. They did quite a bit with Bethesda's making like the uh, second one. They did Kotar two, and uh, New Vegas. Um, but then they also recently did Outer Worlds. Uh, but what's great is Xbox when they acquired had acquired Oblivion like a couple years ago, uh, maybe even just last year. But then when Xbox acquired uh, Bethesda, it gave a lot of people hope that we might get a New Vegas two. Or, yeah, or, you know, something where we get that oblivion. Because, or, because they're a better storyteller than Bethesda is. And so that's why I always really loved when they would take Bethesda would make like a Fallout 3, which was an amazing game, but was a little bit shower on the storyline. But Bethesda made this amazing sandbox world. And then Oblivion takes it and refines it with these awesome stories. So, uh, you know, I. I I'm really glad they're like under the same umbrella company. And again, so far, I'm sure Microsoft will fuck it up. But so far, Microsoft's been doing a great job with these games um, in these studios. Yeah. So we'll have to see. But yeah, they're, they're killing it. Uh, this game's looking really cool. Um, and I've been having fun playing it. Nice. Well, I again, I'm looking forward to playing that with you. Is, is there base building in that? 
there's base building and crafting and yeah so it's like it's like yep. arc kind of yeah okay but no no taming yeah. uh you just don't have like no taming you do get pets you can make a couple of the cutesy things pets uh but yeah i mean like just to just an example it's just awesome when you're walking along these tall grasses and then you see this like over there you're like oh what's that and you run and it's like a baseball you're like holy shit it's like this giant baseball and you can climb on top of it you could probably even build a base on it and or you're walking you're like oh a juice box you can run and usually there's like a thing a juice like bubble you know like a, a piece of juice dew <laughs> on the ground you can slurp it up and um yeah i don't know it's the it's very unique the way they do things and the way um the the survival elements all interplay really well uh to make it feel like you're you know in this backyard trying to figure out how to get big again. Yeah, sure. and the characters all have yeah there's like four characters and they all have unique lines and personalities uh you know there's like the the jock boy he's like oh what i'm here gross <laughs> and then there's like the nerdy <laughs> He's like the nerdy boy. He's like, oh, indubitably, it seems I have been shrunken down. Nice. Yeah. And then there's like the badass girl who's like, I'm going to take this challenge on. You know, <laughs> so it's pretty cool. So is it I is it like it. a point A to point B type of game then? Like, is it like a story where, you know, you actually there's an end to it? Like, or is it? Well, the ending, the ending's not in it yet, for one. I think the story is maybe the least fleshed out part so far, but uh, they've been focusing really on making the game good. But uh, and I, there's more story I haven't gotten to, but just so far where I've gotten to, it's you find this robot in this lab that is shrunken down, where whatever, and there's this doctor that made it and created this stuff. And so you kind of piece it together. Some of it is given to you in the form of the robot speaking, uh, but you find little uh, voice uh audiobooks that will play and you learn a little bit more of the story so it's kind of done like that where you're slowly piecing it together okay cool um before yeah. we continue any further i do want to apologize for anyone who's watching this podcast um i am at my parents condo and they're like in their 150 year old mark they're just so old that they have really slow internet here so you can see justin kind of pixelating and the audio gets a little tinny uh hopefully that's not happening a whole lot uh, but I'm not going to be here forever. Uh, so um, the quality will go back up once I move into my new house, once it's built. So I uh, just wanted to give out a little uh, apology there. Um, but it's looking good now. It's looking mm -hmm. fine, sounding fine. So We don't forget. Oh, yeah, it's my fault. Everything's my fucking fault. Yeah. Uh, so a couple more games. I'm the only one that plays games on this podcast. So. <laughs> couple more video I'm games. Moving. I, I just had to drive to Virginia uh -huh. uh, last weekend. Yeah. This is the reason why I couldn't uh, do the podcast because I was on the road to Virginia. Mm -hmm. I'm in Florida. That's a 13 hour drive. <clears throat> yeah. Got there. Had to drop off my cats. Cried like a little baby. Left the next day. Boring. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I've been playing uh, a little bit of, what's it called there? Medieval Dynasty. This is a, um, you're in European Middle Ages. It's a survival game, but 
the unique aspect of it is you're basically just playing like a peasant in medieval times and you like build a little cottage and um you know you're living off the land trying to plant farms there's a uh, seasons that rotate on only three days which i don't like i wish and i think you can change this but i, I think i would prefer maybe five days like the days are long um but it's just a little quick when you are blasting through seasons like that but you hunt and you trap and it's a very grounded type survival game where there's towns and you do a couple quests for the people but simple quests like getting them wood so you can build palisades to protect from wolves and um fixing someone's like uh rake and just things like of that nature very grounded uh, but eventually the cool part about this game is you can create your own town and have other peasants live and work in your town and do things like they'll go collect wood and take it to the sawmill and you can get livestock and um, enact trade, I believe, uh, between other uh, towns and oh. have stores. So it, uh, it's very interesting that way. I haven't gotten that far in it yet, but uh, I do love like really simplified type surviving games where it's not battle these T-Rexes or fight the you know, un- swarms of undead, you know, where it's just like, <laughs> no, you're just a peasant. Simple is as simple does. <laughs> Trying to make some money. Yeah. yeah. Just trying to make just some do, money and eke by just doing the get best yourself a wife. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm just doing the best Real I Eeyore can. over here. Oh, oh. little brother. I was dude. looking at this game, and the <laughs> reason why bro- I didn't buy it is I was looking up reviews at the time. I think I was looking at this like a year ago, maybe. I think that's this, this game. But the criticism was, was that it wasn't a very big map. Like, uh, it, it was a very restricted map at the time. And it looks like they might have opened it up a little mm. bit. Uh, looking at that steam <clears throat> here. It's pretty big. It's pretty big. Okay. Yeah, it feels big to me. Like, even... I got probably only in halfway across the map on a run, but it takes you, like, most of the day. Um, maybe once you get horses, maybe it starts to feel constrictive. Um, but... Still in early access, but they have added quite a bit so far, and I think now it's gotten to a place where it's pretty interesting um, to play. And again, this one's on Game Pass, uh, so you're not losing out on much if you try it. But yeah, uh, so far I'm enjoying it. It is kind of like a nice, relaxing one. Uh, you know, you don't have to worry too much. There's only like wolves and bears to attack you, but if you're close to town, you know. You don't have to worry about building up defenses over time to defend yourself from hordes. Uh, you know, you're just a peasant. So pretty much you were just thing. talking shit about Ark and Seven Days to Die. I got it. I got it. Yeah, well, those games, <laughs> yeah, they're cool in their no, way. I but I know, I'm just it's, doing shit. But this is That's nice to have different. Yeah. yeah. And then um, finally, uh, I just played a couple hours of this so i don't have like a ton ton to say but iron harvest uh the rts game and uh, this one i don't know how i feel about it for for one it's one of the coolest styles like uh background worlds i've seen you basically it's like 1920s like world war one but you have like yeah. steampunk mechs in it, and it's very cool. Like I love the idea of these steampunk mechs, and you're in Poland, um, and 
that part of it is just really awesome. The, the world is really cool. The part I don't like is it's one of these RTSs that are very micro-focused. And so a lot of times I can't necessarily react fast enough when, when I'm doing the battles because they'll have a ton of guys, but you have to move each individual unit into, you know, go into this building and you guys line up and hide behind this wall and have these mechs over here. So it can just get a lot of crazy stuff going on. Um, and it's not necessarily as smooth as something like uh, StarCraft is. Um, however, it, it, it's worth a play, especially because uh, this one's also on Game Pass. Um, I've enjoyed it. The storyline's pretty cool. I haven't played the multiplayer yet, um, so I don't know how that is. But overall, it's kind of got mixed reviews. Uh, but I'd say it's decent, especially if you already yeah, have Game Pass. Yeah, it's weird because they had really good reviews, and then the recent reviews are mixed. It was mostly positive, and they had 5,000 yeah. mostly positive reviews, and then just recently they've gotten 500 mixed reviews. Um, developers King Art, I've never heard of them, nor have I heard of the publisher Prime Matter. Um, it was released at September yeah. 1st, 2020. So it's been out for a while, so they've had time to work on it and streamline it and kind of fix a lot of the major issues mm -hmm. with it. Um, but yeah, it looks cool. And I was talking about it, uh, I think, last podcast, about how it'd be nice to ha uh, see kind of a comeback of the RTS genre, you know, which kind of died with StarCraft and then StarCraft mm -hmm. 2. And I would include Command & Conquer into that list. You know, I'm a little biased with that, but um, it just yeah. seemed to disappear uh, from the radar for a decade almost now. So it it's nice to see some good RTS games coming out a resurgence but yeah i like that's that the steampunk yeah. uh graphics and uh, art that they were going with that what do you think is the appeal of steampunk I, you know I, I think for one especially maybe as like american or even like western societies you kind of have this nostalgia for the age of uh, industry um and especially like imagining the ways that could have taken uh it's also just, I don't know, it's it's an interesting style. You kind of you get kind of like the British European side, but also, you know, you could have these fantastical uh, creations. Yeah. So, so I'm not exactly sure. I don't know. I just yeah. like it. It's very cool. And maybe because it's not done to death. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I, I remember like when I was younger, like when steampunk was kind of a newer thing. Um, it was kind of like, uh, it was a very niche group of people who actually enjoyed it. And I found like the older I've gotten, the more I've kind of started to appreciate it. And it is the industrial, I like that industrial vibe, you know? And mm -hmm. like that idea that um, there's a lot of productivity and a future that's gonna happen, I guess. It's, it's hard to define it. I guess anyone who's watching this who has a good way to um, articulate what makes steampunk so cool, uh, please let us know in the comments section, because it's hard to art articulate that. That's kind of a challenge. Yeah, I think maybe we just all love top hats and goggles uh, and airships. <laughs> yeah, airships for sure. <laughs> uh... Yeah, so that's all I've played. Um, I guess we can move on to the news. We don't have a ton of it. <laughs> 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 I 
this week's nuclear grenade news. We should just make an overlay for that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, First things first, uh, Summer Games, Gun Quick 2021. We'll get started this weekend. Um, It's going to run July 4th through July 11th. It's like you're... Every year they do this speedrunning thing on Twitch, and it's like multiple people speedrunning all these different games, and people sit normally on a couch and talk about their strategies or just whatever while they're like speedrunning these games, and it's all for charity. Um, I guess to this month, let's see right here. Uh, uh, they're doing for Doctors Without Borders. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's very cool. All it's very cool anytime they're doing stuff for charity. I think they usually, every year, it's been getting more and more money donated and uh, just helping more people. And it also shines a light like on the speedrunning community. Um, and I think it gets more popular every year, which means more people are going to be exposed to speedrunning, which means more people are going to want to do it. Um, it's not something I have the patience for, but I absolutely love watching like the speedrunning videos on YouTube. Um, I do love watching... Uh, these games done quick uh, on Twitch, and so I'll probably just keep it running in the background while I play other video games and stuff. Um, yeah. I've heard of it, and I've watched some speed runs. There's some really cool ones on YouTube where uh, the developers will actually sit there and watch the speed run mm-hmm. and comment on it. Like uh, there's <laughs> yeah. one for Doom Eternal, and I think Hugo Martin was commenting on it. Um, but you know, like how they use all these glitches and stuff with the the game mechanics and the game physics to just like jump across the whole world, and uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of fun to watch. It's cool to see, um, but I'm not huge into it. Um, yeah, you know, I participated a little bit in it when I was younger with games like Goldeneye, uh, when it wasn't really like a competitive thing. It was just that I was so I was just a kid, so I didn't have any money. So it's like the only game I could play was Goldeneye. So it's like, okay, this is my 15th time through campaign. Let's see how quickly I can get through Streets or Control, you know. Um, So I I can appreciate the speed running. It's just I haven't played a game, like a single game that much to be that good at participating in it myself. And I guess if I were to kind of get into that, then maybe I would want to start watching other people more. Yeah. but as it is, I'm I'm not super interested. Yeah, I I, I like watching it, but yeah, I'm not doing it myself. Mm-hmm. Let's see. So we do have uh, this is a weird one because you and me played this when it first came out, and I was one of the very first pink lightsabers on the server. Uh, but <laughs> Star Wars: The Old Republic uh, is getting a new expansion ten years later, and apparently they're going to be adding more events and features and content up through 2022. Um, which is kind of crazy to me because it's never been the most popular MMORPG. I think it's kind of hovered around fourth or fifth uh, for many, many years. It had a sharp fall off and never recovered. Um, you and me, we just played it for like a month or two. A lot. We played it hardcore, but then we just kind of fell yeah, off. Yeah, well, we were both in the Navy when that game came out, and I had actually taken uh, leave, two weeks worth of leave. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah, yeah and uh, I think I was playing like 16 hours a day. Uh, <laughs> and then when I finally had to go back to work, I got TeamViewer. Uh, so from work, I could actually oh, access I my that. desktop, so I could send out uh, my 
people. I forgot what it was, a people or something that you would send out and they would go gather your companions. resources. Your yeah, companions. Yeah, you could send out your companions. Yeah, so I would actually be playing uh, from the uh, hangar. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, what I love about that game, and I'm, I'm, maybe this is part of why it didn't have the success it needed, but I thought it was so cool, and it was their big selling point, was besides the awesome storylines, which many of the storylines were cool, and I might actually re-download this and just try to play through them uh, through some of them because they're free now but uh, was the companions and the idea that it was very easy to play solo which is how I like to play games like there's very few games that I like multiplayer um, unless I'm just playing with the boys and to have that and like the characters you could equip and they were almost like they were they had like a depth to them as well and I did like how you could just send them out to gather resources, spending spending all your goddamn time clicking on ore rocks. But, uh, you know, I thought it was a really cool feature, and I really liked having them out there and talking, and, uh, you know. And they, I remember the AI was not fantastic. They did a really decent job of um, being a real part of the, your game experience and helping you and protecting you. Like, if you were doing, like, a DPS, then you could get a tank. If you were playing a tank, you get a healer, a DPS, and so... They were really versatile uh, in that respect. Yeah, I think uh, I know for a fact that I played as a merc, and mm-hmm. I, I beat the game as a merc, and I did PvP as a merc, and I, I think that they nerfed it eventually, but I would just go in and tear shit up, dude. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and that was like one of my first MMO experiences. Like, I played WoW a little bit, but I never really got into it. But Star yeah. Wars The Old Republic, I really got into for some reason. I'm glad yeah. to see that they haven't given up on it quite yet. I, I wonder if anybody's been playing it this whole time. I'm sure. <laughs> well, oh, that'd be I, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they Well, they had some really unique... Like, I love the operative because, like, I played a healing operative and I just had so much fun doing, like... I remember that. ...the PvP and raids and stuff because, especially the way the operative worked, it was all, like, DPS... Or, I mean, uh, like, dots, you know? So healing or hots, like, healing over time. And just keeping up stuff where everyone's kind of getting healed. And I'm sending out robots. And I'm running in stealth and like stunning guys. And then mm. keeping the hots up. And I, I don't know. I, I, as a, like a player who usually plays healer in uh, those type of games, uh, it's my favorite class. Um, you play the woman's role. Sure, but the operative is just. Uh, it was very. It was a really a cool. Yeah, it was a very cool campaign. Um, and yeah, it was just like one of the funnest. Um, uh, healers I've ever played. Yeah. Well, so what's going on with the DLC? Like, wh- what's uh, what's the big deal about that? Uh, so I guess it's adding like uh, it adds up to uh, an extra five levels. You can go up to level cap eighty. Um, there's a whole new uh, camp like campaign um, where there's like a renegade Sith, Dark Malgus, and you play through that. It adds. Looks like it might add a new flashpoint um, on a new planet. Um, so yeah, just adds like, oh, it looks like a, not a huge, huge update, but like a little something, something for it. And that's Bioware that, uh... Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. It's so crazy. I bet you it's yeah. not even the same people. Like, I wonder if anybody from the original team actually had anything to do with this DLC. Maybe it's the same janitor <laughs> <laughs> that works yeah. in the building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember when these games were good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
just mopping. Do you have any uh, developers or anything like that that you uh, kind of romanticize and do research about? Like for me, like it, it, it's id software. I don't know why, but the id software story, I am just a huge fan of. Like Masters of Doom. Like if you've read that book or listened to the uh, audio book. And then you learn about John Romero and John Carmack and Adrian Carmack and Tim Willits and Sandy Peterson. Like, it's just this really cool story. And it kind of makes you wish that you could go back then when there was so much ahead in the gaming industry. Like, so much hadn't been figured out yet. And mm -hmm. little did they know how much was going to be figured out. Um, yeah. I don't know. But do you have any developers like that? Like, for some people, it might be Bioware. I know there's a lot of huge Bioware fans. There's Rareware mm -hmm. fans. Yeah, I actually think, yeah, maybe the old Bioware, I do have some of that because they were just on such a hot streak in my formative years of gaming when I kind of had hit my teenage years where I'm capable of understanding more depth and nuance uh, and you know, you're really becoming your own person. All those games are kind of coming out. The original Kotars, they had this legacy of Baldur's Gate and uh, those games. So, uh, you know, Mass Effect, uh, mm. what was it called? Uh, Dragon uh, Jade Age. Empire, oh. uh, Dragon Age. I mean, it was just like money game, money game, money game, all directed really at my interests uh, over quite a long period of time. So... Maybe them. Um, my favorite right now is Clay, but I don't, you know, I don't know if they've been around long enough. I haven't done any research into them. Clay. Uh, yeah. And what what did they make? K L E I. They make Don't Starve, Oxygen Not Occluded, Griftlands. Oh. Um, so yeah, they, they're a really great studio. I really enjoy what they're doing. Have you uh, ever seen a No Clips documentary? Uh, no Clips on yeah. YouTube. Yeah, he does a really Absolutely. cool job uh, bringing to light um, all developer stories. Um, if anyone's interested in like developers and what goes into making a game, check out No Clips. Uh, is it No Clip? I think it's just No Clip. No, no Clip. No Clip on YouTube, and he's got tons of documentaries where he goes and he talks to these developers and. Uh, ask them questions about how they made the game and what the story was behind it. And I think what you'll find is a lot of these developers have really cool stories because oftentimes there's just a few guys, you know, and, and gals, obviously, um, mm -hmm. that are friends or whatever, and they get together. And I don't know. And, and you have to be good at what you do uh, to come out with an actual game that people want to play. So yeah. it's kind of like the sperm that wins the race. <laughs> Yeah, it's cool to and, learn uh, about that. Yeah, yeah, and those are all really well done, really well researched. That's uh, Danny O'Dwyer, which he's now—I don't know if a permanent member of Giant Bombcast, but uh, he's been on like almost all the podcasts recently, and I think they're doing another show with them uh, coming soon. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I really, really enjoy his perspective on games. Um, yeah, and that guy definitely knows what he's talking about. Yeah, because he's Irish. Yeah. <laughs> oh, ho, ho, top of the morning to you. <laughs> uh, that was a really good impression. Uh, well, that's, that was really. If good. I say anything else, I start sounding Jamaican. <laughs> <laughs> Just top of the morning to you. Yeah, uh, that's all I can do. Oh, that's great. Uh, and then final piece of news. Um, 
Sony acquires Returnal Studio House Marquee. And then it looks like there's some evidence to suggest they might have also acquired Blue Point. So Returnal, of course, was that roguelike that came out uh, on the PS5. Uh, people enjoyed it. I don't know much about it. It's a PC gaming podcast. It's not for babies. <laughs> but uh, but that's cool because that means that game might come to PS or PC. Seems like a lot of the PlayStation games now, after a long time of never coming to PC, they're now being like, after a couple years, we'll put it on PC. So... I'm still hoping for Last of Us uh, to come, but who knows? And then I don't know much about Blue Point, but again, that's still basically a rumor, technically. But it looks like they made Shadow of Colossus. Ooh. So it's definitely a, a PlayStation type company. It really fits their vibe. Um, do you think Shadow? It seems like they've already been making. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Do you think Shadow of the Colossus would do well today? Didn't they do a remake? And I think it did pretty well um, I don't, I don't last know. year. I don't know if they did. I think a they remake. made a, a it not not a remake, but a um, remaster uh, last year, or the year before, and I think it did pretty well. Interesting. Yeah, I remember when it came out. Like that was like the game, and I really had a lot of fun playing it. But it was weird because you would have this huge boss fight, and then you'd have to like travel to the next boss fight, but that mm-hmm. traveling period was like super uneventful. Like there was nothing to do yeah. other than the boss yeah, fights. Very yeah, it, it was interesting. And that's why I was wondering, like, yeah, I it's... don't know if that would do well today because of that. Bo- like it wasn't, it was kind of boring, the traveling in between the two boss mm-hmm. fights. And, but well, I think it would do well today because now we have way more technology that we could, they could actually add that stuff without detracting from the overall, uh, gameplay experience like uh, how well it runs and i think a lot of times what the was is because the game was so old that and because the graphics and the fighting of the giants was so awesome is that they were basically soft load screens so they weren't the reason it was so empty is because it's basically loading in the next boss mm-hmm. um Ele- but elevator. making it seem like it's open yeah exactly <laughs> yeah uh but it, it also did help create the, um, and we talk a lot about this, but the um, ambiance of the game and kind of that loneliness of being in this like dead world fighting these giants like by yourself and with your horse. Um, that did add to it in a positive yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember when I played that, I was a, a stoner in high school uh, in my friend's basement. Just super high, <laughs> eating pizza, playing Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, man, <laughs> this game is like deep, bro. Yeah, that might have been one of the first games I recall having kind of that Dark Souls like uh, ambiance and dread, that, that kind of loneliness. But yeah, so I, I think they could if they added, you know, now they could maybe add different things in between it. Um, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I think you're right they could definitely expand upon it and kind of keep the boss battles how they were, which was super awesome mm-hmm. and fill in the yeah. gaps. Yeah. Amongst a larger type, you know, action game. Yeah. And that'd be a unique game today. You know, there's nothing else really like mm-hmm. that. So it's definitely cool. Uh, so, I mean, E3 has been over for two weeks, so there just hasn't been much news coming out. Do you have anything else to add or anything you wanted to talk about? Hey, um, not really. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's been pretty, um, 
I've been moving, so I haven't got to play a whole lot of games. Uh, and like you said, E3 uh, is done, so there's not like a whole bunch of news pouring out anymore. I think everybody's kind of taking a break from E3 mm-hmm. and the the outpour from that. Shot their shot their load. Yeah, E3 was like all the video games, like, <laughs> and all the gamers like, oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now Spermato Genesis has to retake its place in the testicles. Just a little, mm-hmm. just, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, um, well. I people. This wasn't the best E3 ever, but there are games that I'm looking forward to coming out. You know, and I don't remember all of them off the top of my head, but Battlefield. Like I'm kind of looking forward to that because I haven't played a first-person shooter in a long time, and I certainly haven't played competitively in a long time and that looks like a good game to kind of wet my beak again you know the last game i played was uh yeah. uh doom eternal and that was a lot of fun for me because i haven't gotten to play a hardcore first person shooter in a super long time you know because like i was mm-hmm. just so focused on arc which has some first person shooter elements but you're not gonna get mm-hmm. your skilled first person shooter gamer out of that game but like doom eternal like i jumped in on hurt me plenty or or whatever the second hardest difficulty is uh just below nightmare and dude holy shit like that's no joke man um yeah and that 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 was a lot of fun and i'm excited to see what battlefield the new one has to offer i've always preferred battlefield all over call of duty because battlefield has all of those um customization and rpg elements to it uh which call of duty just doesn't really so um well and bad company was fucking awesome yeah or bad company too especially Mm -hmm. yeah it looks like uh yeah it looks like chaotic blast um which i feel like the battlefields were always a little more grounded in reality so it's going to be kind of cool to see just yeah that wild fucking shit going on and hopefully they still have some of that um map changing destruction elements like they had in five which were really cool and like buildings would fall and then it kind of become like a new map in a certain way Uh, yeah looks awesome once i saw that fucking like warthog style thing run off a building and explode into a, a helicopter. I was like, it was a four wheeler, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <Warthog dude>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, it was just like a normal four wheeler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, funny. Yeah, but still pretty sick. Yeah. Alrighty. I don't have uh, much else to say. So uh, thanks for tuning in to nuclear hand grenade. Uh, thanks again, uh, and sorry as well for uh, missing last week. Uh, hopefully that won't happen again for a long time. Uh, I'm Justin, that's Brandon Hayho, a.k.a. Havoc. Uh, like, subscribe, comment, all that jazz. Y'all have a wonderful week. And a safe fourth. Godspeed. <laughs>